O Lord, our God, you have chosen to make yourself known through your creation, your word, your son, and your spirit. Now reveal your glory to us and through us, the church. Speak to us, form us, lead us, dwell in us. Teach us today how to love as Jesus loves, to welcome the stranger, heal the sick, care for the poor, to bear good news, build bridges, and bring your people home. For Christ in us is the hope of glory. May your perfect will prevail in us this day. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So the last few weeks have been an intense focus on uh, Jesus' call for us to love where we live. And today will kind of be an official closing to that. Um, Not loving where we live, but just this particular campaign. Um, See, today is going to be all about celebrating. And what we're going to celebrate is what God has been doing and what God continues to do through his church. And we're going to celebrate by hearing stories. Sandy, where's Sandy? She was just here. She said she loves hearing stories. We're going to hear stories today. Okay. Um, What I'm excited about is that we're going to hear stories, not just of some things that happened during the campaign the last few weeks and the communities represented here. We're going to hear something that is happening nationally. We're going to hear about something even that is happening internationally. Yes, cool. I agree. So today is an official closing to our Love Where You Live campaign. But it's not only about that, because God is doing some amazing things in so many different ways. We are going to be doing what Psalm 105 says. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. This is is what we get to do today. And there's so much to praise God for. Amen? Amen. So let's get to it. We're going to start by hearing a couple of stories from a couple of our group leaders. Um, Before that, I just want to say something to you about these uh, community group leaders. I don't know if you know this, but there were groups and there were leaders. Somebody had to lead these groups. Um, And I think you're going to hear a common theme among any of them that you talk to if you were to ask them that the last few weeks were not always easy a lot of work. I mean, think about it. You all know how busy your lives can be, right? Now imagine trying to be the one to get not only a family or an individual out to participate in something, but imagine trying to get like five or six busy families or individuals out to participate in something, and then now try imagine doing that for six weeks straight. (laughs) Uh, But in spite of how difficult it was, we have some great stories to share, and you might wonder, if it was so difficult, why did we do this to ourselves? Um, Why would we as a church put ourselves through something so difficult? And I mean, I guess you can ask this about a lot of things, right? The marathon runners, they can ask themselves this. Why am I doing this, right? It incurs injury and blisters and and hurt. Why why would they do this? And they will tell you they're raising money not for themselves. They're running for people just to get a basic need. Adopting a second campus at Trinity Church in Roland Heights costs so much time and energy and money. Why did we do it? Well, ask Pastor Albert and Pastor Christine, whose family has probably worked and sacrificed more than anyone about all the opportunities that God has opened up to love and serve and to heal and to unify God's church. So why did we go through this campaign? What was the benefit? What did we gain? Was it worth the cost? 
Well, I want you to hear from a couple of our friends what they have to say about the blessings that come even out of difficult seasons. We're going to start with uh, one of the leaders of our South group down in the Montevallo area. And uh, we heard from her at the beginning of this campaign, so I'd like you to help me to welcome Janelle Yao. Um, so I had the privilege of um, leading the South group with um, my partner, Monique. Um, and I think some of the challenges that I faced, especially during the last few weeks, was just maintaining momentum, right? Like week after week, you're trying to plan events and coordinate and get people to come out. And I think for me personally, it was hard because I felt like I started losing the vision and the purpose of why we're doing this. I think it's sometimes easy to get caught up in doing a lot of things and trying to like find events and plan events rather than remembering like, no, we're here to build relationships with people. And so I think that was really tough for me, especially in the last few weeks, um, to just maintain that focus. Um, so Janelle, I, I thank you for sharing that. Thanks for being honest. Um, anybody who even tried to participate with any of the last few weeks would probably say it was, yeah, it was, it was a stretch. It was, it was tough to... To get, to get some of those things in there. Um, you said something uh, to a group of us a couple weeks back that, I really, that really stuck with me. Um, can you tell us a little bit about going through this last few weeks and, and just trying, just, just getting out there and just putting yourself out there and just trying to put things together? How did that impact you personally? How did that change you? Um. In a couple ways, I think one way was I had to rely on God. I was forced to rely on God because everything that I was doing, including being a community, saying yes to being a community group leader, was out of my comfort zone. And so I found myself falling to my knees a lot and just praying, like, God, I don't have the strength. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how this is going to turn out. Um, like, I need you. And so I think that was huge for me. I think something else... Um, was just being able to push past fears of rejection that I had and how people perceive me um, for the sake of building deeper relationships with people. I think that was really hard for me. I would always think about, like, what are they going to think about me? Um, but just pushing past those things. And um, one story I have to share is just um, my next-door neighbor, Helen. Um, she's an elderly woman, and God has really put her on my heart. And during this, um, I've been spending time with her, just taking Jeremiah. We just go visit her every week. But during the campaign, I felt like God was like, you need, like, try, try asking her to, like, go grocery shopping with you. And I've asked her about things before, and she's kind of, like, turned me down. And so I was like, I don't know, God, but I'll just try. You know, I'll try to ask her. It was a rainy day, too, so I was like, she probably won't go out. Like, it's real, it's, it's just not great weather. Um, but she said yes. And, um, I was just so blessed to be walking around the gro superior grocers with her, like her pushing Jeremiah in the stroller and me <coughs> in the cart like that. That blessed me so much. And I feel like through that, I got to know her even better. And I felt like that opened up opportunities for me to get more deeply involved into her life. And so one of the next events was like a dinner and, um, and bingo night. And I... I was like, okay, like I got to push through these fears again, and I just want to ask her because I really want to spend more time with her, and um, like, think, like, surprise it, like she was like, oh, let me just think about it. And last time I invited her, she said she 
said last minute, like, I don't want to come. And so I was like, that's okay. And so this time she was like, you know, I think I'm going to come. And she got all dressed up. And it was just so, like, I was just so (laughs) blessed by that. And um, as I was eating dinner with her, she shared with me, like, oh, I usually don't eat past 5 o'clock. And it was like 6.30. And I was like, so blessed that you're here with me and that you, you you know, like, you're out of routine and you're doing that because, like, we can get to know each other better. And so, um, yeah, I think... God is just teaching me like little risks that I'm taking and trying to just try. Um, God blesses me so much, and um, that's really impacted the way that I see like new people and approaching people and just wanting to continue to walk in that obedience. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And your son Jeremiah is how many months? Nine. Nine months. Nine old. months. And I mean, tr- trying to lead anything besides just yourself and this baby probably is is a challenge, right? I mean, you have plenty that you could say, you know, I just don't have margin or the energy, the time for this. Um, but, but, you know, just the things that you were able to learn, it's just so beautiful. One of my favorite things that your group did was um, you took a bunch of supplies and, like, drinks and stuff and face painting stuff, supplies, and you went into the park, Grant Re Park, right, and you just set up a little station there and just started giving free face paintings and drinks and... Um, just hanging out with people there in the park. Tell, tell me what that was like a little bit. Um, it was amazing. I just see God's hand all over it. I was really nervous because I was like, what if no one's at the park? Or like, what are we going to do? What are we going to set up? And God just made a way. Like we happened to go to the park a little early and we got a bench that was covered on a really sunny day between two parties that were happening. I was like, oh my gosh, God, this is awesome. We don't even, you know, and then... Um, so setting up, I was like, oh, like now it's time to like go out and try to like get people to come, you know. Um, and right when I started walking over to one of the groups, like people started coming and like God just opened those doors. And it was just so easy because you're spending time with kids, you're giving them free face paint. It's like hard to not love them. Like, and, you know, and that made just an easy bridge to start talking to the parents and you know, one, one of the parents just asked me, like, why are you guys doing this? And it was, like, an opportunity to share, like, this is, we want to bless our community. We love, the, we want to love the people here. We just want to do something, you know. Mm. And so that was, that was just awesome. I feel like that was all God. We just needed to say, yes, we want to try doing this. And God just totally supplied, provided everything. So that was really cool. Amen. So one last question for you just to share. Now that you've kind of gone through this, you kind of stretched yourself um, to, to do this. How do you see your community differently now, the place where you live? Um, I think the biggest shift for me was seeing my neighborhood as not just a place where I live and, you know, um, but as a mission field to where God can use me for his purposes. And so I, as I've been meeting um, different neighbors, I realized that there is such a longing for connection with each other mm-hmm. that all of my neighbors feel, but no one's been able to, like, press into that further and so that's something where I feel like that's the next step for me is like how do I get my community to come together to meet each other and to just build a community within within our block or our neighborhood um, so yeah well we appreciate everything that Janelle did and for that group and we look forward to seeing just continued love in communities and especially coming from your household so thank you thanks Sam for Um, You know, when I asked Janelle if she would 
she kind of take on that that role as a as a leader. You know, there was, there was a there was a lot of reservation, right? I mean, it was. I think when you do something like this, you kind of just have to count the cost, right? Um, there is going to be a a cost, um, something that has to be given up, or something that just is, you're going to be stretched for this particular season. Um, but I think you know, if you ask somebody like Janelle or any of you who have ever been through a, a season of your life where you are doing something that is hard, um, and especially when, it, when you're doing something that is, has to do with God and his purposes, there's something in you that grows. Um, and really at Trinity Church, you know, we talk about discipleship and making disciples, and what does that mean? That, that's actually a part of it. You know, following Jesus was never supposed to be this easy rosy road, right? But it, it, there's, there's, a, there's a difficulty to it, but when we, when we push through that, we see God working in ways that we might not have if we wouldn't have done that thing, so I really appreciate that. And um, I want to welcome our, another leader. Um, the group she led was not even on our original list of groups that we were going to have, um, but I'm so glad that this list was in God's plans, and I'm so glad that people like her were listening to what God's plans were. Um, and so I'd like to invite Molly Ramos up to share with us. Hello, hello. So I want to know, what, this, like I said, this group wasn't on the original list of groups that we were going to do. This is a Monterey Park Christian School group, a group that is just for, for the people and by the people of Monterey Park Christian School. Um, why, did, why did you decide to do this? Well, um, I just have a passion for these families that are here. And, they, you know, they're here, they bring their kids. And I'm like, man, we can, I love the going out, but there's something about there's a mission field right here. There's, a, there's people here that um, God loves deeply and he's at work in. And I feel like, oh, man, we can't miss that. So I just love getting to know parents. But this felt like an opportunity to really get to know families and to see how God's working. And it just felt like oh, so fun. And I to be clear... You and Abner are MPCS yes, yes, parents. Yes. I mean, so that, that's yeah. their automatic connection, right? Yes, there. so we're already parents. So I do this with college students all the time, but I'm helping other college students learn how to talk to other college students. Well, I'm actually the parent that gets to talk to another parent. So it feels like I'm the insider this time that actually gets to connect to people, and so that is super fun. Yeah. Um, what we're t- telling, I mean, we already know about some of the challenges, um, some of the difficulties getting families together. <clears throat> um, I want to actually show you this picture. Um, the MPCS group, um, even though it was kind of started as a, as a last-minute last idea, it turned out to be one of the, probably one of the most well-attended, consistent groups that we had going. I mean, you did something pretty much every week, except the one week where you got rained out, right? You were supposed to go on a hike, and that didn't, it didn't happen. Um, so, I mean, in spite of the challenges and the difficulties, there was some really good stuff. T- tell me about some of the bright spots that you saw yeah. during the last few weeks. I mean, for, for me, it was all about building the relationships, you know? So I remember the first time we went, we did, we connected, we went to the fire station. It was so fun. So in between you getting the tour of the fire station, it's just like, oh, I'm getting to know that person, and I'm going, that person, this person. And then we went to the picnic afterwards and got more families and got connected. And so when I came back, it felt like I just was praying for each single family I met and just sort of overwhelmed by God's heart for them. I'm just crying because I'm like, oh, my gosh, you love these families so much. And I think that's what happened over and over through the campaign is we met this family and that family and this family and that family. And then you start to grow God's heart for these families. And then you get a sense of some of them start to open up to you about their lives. And it just felt like, man, it was the relationship. So now 
for that women's breakfast, we're inviting to the women's breakfast some of the families we met, and there's six women that have never come to a breakfast that are interested in coming to the women's breakfast for the first time. And literally, when I'm out there, I know everybody's name. Like, oh, I know this person. I, when I'm inviting to the breakfast, it's like, oh, hi, so-and-so, hi, so-and-so, hi, so-and-so, because we've met them all through all these relationships. So anyways, it just feels like they're all friends now, you know? What I loved, okay, so this past Monday, I think it was Monday, Monday morning, um, Molly yeah. and Janelle yeah. are two firecracker women. <laughs> they, um, they, and then Celine did it on Friday, And Celine was here on Friday, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I was, yeah, I was going to get there, right? So you, oh, yeah, you yeah. did it on Monday, right? Uh-huh. And they were out there in the courtyard right here as parents were getting here to tell them about the women's breakfast. Yeah. And you'd have moms that are like rushing off to work, and Molly would somehow find a way to pull them back and draw them into a five-minute conversation. Well, yeah. of course, coffee I mean, and donuts is a great draw. We're taking right? it up, you know. We're, that that is not a bad draw. Yeah, yeah. Right to get them back, and and I mean, just I'm sure it would have been a lot weirder if you've yeah. never met these moms before ever right. and they'd never seen you, but they had that prior relationship. With yeah. You, right. Now it was just like, oh, let me give you a hug, and and then you know, I just felt like this. They weren't strangers anymore. They were friends. Yeah. yeah. And I do want to say too. I mean, Molly, I, I think you you would you're a self-proclaimed extrovert, right? I mean, yes, you're, I am. Uh-huh. You're out there with people. Yeah. You know, and I love. I hope you don't mind me saying, Talene, that I, I admire so much that you were out there. I know. On Friday, because Talene was like, "This is not my thing. I am not. A, I am not a Molly. I'm not an extrovert. I don't." But just like I said, when you stretch yourself to do things that are hard, mm-hmm. uh, you grow in. And Talene and Wes, I love that you were part of uh, yeah. this community group, that you Veronica were kind of out Sandra. there mingling. Veronica, uh, Chris, and, and Lila, who are not here. Yeah. Um, you know, just different. And, of course, our director, Sandra, was, was there doing this. So as an MPCS parent yes, and as, mm-hmm. a, tr- as a member of Trinity Church, today we're yes. going to be welcoming you and, and Abner into a fishing. Abner said, I'm going to jump them in today. <laughs> well, I'm jumping them in today. Um, we're in the clica. <laughs> um, so today we're officially welcoming you, right? Uh-huh. Um, but as a member and yeah. also as an MPCS uh-huh. parent, what, what, what do you want to say to our congregation here about th- this, the importance of this <laughs> on-campus, yeah. immediate, right-in-our-face opportunity for ministry and to love? What, what, what would you yeah. say to our congregation about that? Well, I just feel like it's almost too too easy. God has given us this opportunity in our very space, you know? And so, like, let's not miss that opportunity. Right. You know, these God is at work. Like, like I think about this every time I talk to preschool families. Like, the kingdom of God is at hand in every single one of these families. And some of these families, they, um, they think it's a good idea to send their kids to the preschool because they want them to learn about morality or about God and things like that. But their own story about God, they're not quite sure. You know, they have questions. And so this is an opportunity to come around these families and say, God, would you use us to not just, oh, my gosh, I just really, I was a little girl. I did not come from a Christian family. And the reason I started getting to know God is because somebody invited me to the Harvest Carnival or whatever it was at church. I was a little <laughs> elementary school. And that's when I, so I was one of those stories, you know. I pray for the little kids because I want them to know Jesus and grow up knowing Jesus. But then also their families. And so there's just this mission field. There's a way that God's working and Man, it was so easy when we, like I'm at ELOC all the time. It's hard to get people to come in a room. We are over there. You put a sign-up sheet, 70 families or 70 people came out. I was like, what? Not hard, you know, and God, so I don't know. That's what I love with like Talene and myself and Janelle or Veronica. And it's, it's actually just faithfulness. It's actually God's already working. So you just need people that are faithful yeah. to the work. And yeah. what I loved about each one of us, regardless of our personalities, we shared the same heart. 
Because that's what it's all about. It's like, Jesus, you love these people deeply, and we long for them to know that you love them. And so it just was the most fun. That's awesome. Yeah. And it was worth it. It was hard, but it was so worth it. I agree with you. Yeah. And I, so I just, I'm excited because I feel like that, that push mm-hmm. kind of is taking us into a new season of getting to know these families. Like yes. there's, there's just these relationships now that we just have. It's like just like a launching pad, right? Yeah. And we can just launch into these things. And there's so much opportunity there. Yeah. So join us in welcoming them yeah. as they come to the breakfast yeah. or here. I'm just praying that 10 women would come to the yeah. breakfast that don't usually come and uh, praying for some new families yeah. that maybe don't have a church home that would want to come and, and experience God here. Yeah. So That's awesome. Yeah. Let's, let's give it up for Molly. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, you know, and Sandra will tell you this, our, our, our preschool director, this is something that she's been praying about for a long time, praying for to, to have families that are, that are invested in, in and it's not, there's nothing wrong, I'm not saying it's anything bad, but just to do more than just, this is just a place I want to send my kids. But to actually have families that are saying, no, I, I see the opportunity there. Um, Sandra's been praying for this for a long time, and the teachers who have been here for a while have been praying for this for a long time. Right? I mean, just, just people that care, that genuinely care about these families, to not just watch them walk in and out, and after a few years, they, your kids graduate, and then it's like, okay, you know, thanks, bye, but to really make that connection, um, to have parents that love parents and kids. Um, it's such a blessing, so thank you for being part of that. That's the difference, because we've been trying to do this for so many years. You've tried to do things like this before, right? Right. You're the director. Of course you're going to invite me to this thing, right? Yeah. Right. But it's coming from a mom, a mom who has her kids, and then just a regular person, and I think that's what made the difference this time. Yeah. That we have moms who are in the preschool. It's not a school event. It's not a school-driven church thing. It's moms talking to other moms. And Molly and Talene and Lila, they weren't just inviting people, but then when the parents showed up, they were there. So it's like, now, oh, yeah, I remember you. You invited me, right? So now we, we've got that connection already there. I love it. And it's just, what an answer to prayer. What a blessing. So thank you for being a part of that answer to prayer um, as families that are here. We, we love you uh, guys and so glad what God is doing. So speaking of parents and kids, I want to um, actually, I get the privilege of, in just a minute, inviting my own parents up to share because um, they have something very special that they're involved in. But before we do that, actually, um, Laura, would you mind just hitting the lights and hopefully, let's hope that our iPad works for us today on the first try. And we're going to show you, I want to show you a video, a little introduction video of what it is that um, my parents are involved in right now. So, Mom and Dad, we go way back, huh? <laughs> yeah. Known you, like, I think my whole life. You before. Right, that's right. Um, so, you, it, hey, okay, so if you have any complaints about me, tell them, and they're going to be like, yeah, we know. And, and I can I one-up you on that. Um, yeah, please uh, welcome my family and my parents, and not only to the stage right now, but they've been part of Trinity Church for the last few months since the fall, and it's been such a blessing to have them working with our kids. My dad once in a while gets up there and jams on the bass. 
Um, and they've just they've been around and participating with the different things that we've doing. You were part of our community group that we had uh, maybe a couple of, a couple of good little runs there, little things that we tried to get out and do. We tried. We did our best. It was a little community group that could. Um, and I'm going to talk, and I'm I'm going to share that. I have some slides that I want to talk about. So let me know when you want to share that uh, that slide that you sent me. Um, do you want to share that now or in a bit? In a bit. In a bit. In a little bit. So tell tell me tell us um, what is royal family. What does it mean for you? Okay, well, first of all, let me just say it's an honor and a privilege to be part of a church that is so involved, you know, from the community level, next door neighbors reaching out to the schools, to, you know, internationally with, uh, you know, uh, Team World Vision. It, it is really an honor because, you know, I've been part of big churches and that don't do nearly as much as what's happening here with, with you. So God bless you all. You're wonderful. It's great to be part of a group like this. That's right. You all, thank you. So, as you saw, uh, Royal Family Kids started actually in Orange County in 1985 and uh, has grown to an international, we found out yesterday, um, uh, movement where um, foster kids are invited to a one-week camp. And through the local agencies, DFS, DCFS, and churches and the uh, royal family organization, uh, these kids are treated royally for a week. Um, they have been, um, a lot of these kids, some of them have never even had a birthday party. Uh, and there are so many different uh, um, situations in a foster care. Some of you are familiar with foster care. And uh, some of these kids don't have a stable family. And I was with uh, uh, our grandkids this morning recognizing how much need there is. These kids just want, I mean, these are regular kids, our, our grandkids, and how much need there is just for love, somebody to affirm them. So abuse is a big uh, part of uh, what is going on with these kids, but neglect is another part of it, just emotional neglect. People are too busy to really pay attention to some of these kids. So what we do is love on these kids for a week, I mean, and treat them royally, give them things that they've uh, never experienced before. And um, through um, the efforts we were part of in 2014, we're part of a camp uh, where we were camp grandma and grandpa, which was the greatest job ever because we just got to walk around the camp. We had uh, 35 kids, 35 kids. Uh, it's two to one ratio, two adults, two, uh, two children, two one adult rather. Uh, so it's very well uh, uh, supervised and it requires a lot of staff. So we were part of that, and through the, um, um, for whatever reason or another, the church decided not to, to continue that. So we decided this is too good of a thing because some of you have never heard of Royal Family Kids. That's because uh, Royal Family is not operating currently in L.A. County, which incidentally has the largest uh, foster kid population, over 20,000 kids in the foster uh, system, and there's nothing like this for them. Uh, so we thought this is too good of a thing to just let it drop. So we uh, formed a nonprofit, Dawn of Hope, and our shirts here, and working with not just one church sponsor, but several, and organizations, uh, uh, universities, so we can gather as many resources and people as we can to be involved in this. And uh, we are planning to take 30 to 40 kids on June, uh, children in foster care, from June 19th through the 23rd, to a camp in the mountains and uh, just have a, a, the great time, greatest time. Now, 
Some of you might think, well, one week, what can we possibly do in one week for, for these kids? Well, we heard a story yesterday of a person who has had several foster kids. And this one child in particular, she had a, a very difficult situation. But the one possession that she kept from, that she took along with her from the time she was six years old, and she's currently 19, I think she said, she has one possession that she keeps, and that was a photograph of her at a Royal Family Kids Camp. Because she said, sorry, <clears throat> she said that's the one moment of joy that she ever had in her life, that the people actually cared about her. And we give them attention, give them fun, we give them Jesus. Now, because we are uh, working with uh, children who are wards of the state, we don't proselytize. We don't you know, have altar calls. We don't do things like that. We just share our hearts. We, we um, use the model of, of Deuteronomy 6 as you walk along the way, as you, um, you know, sit down to rise up and sit down, you, you share the Lord. And just naturally, as, as, as we as we do, and we have, uh, so we are in, um, we present music, we present skits, we present uh, uh, all of these things very well run. And uh, before I, I do the, the next thing, let me show you one slide. In case you think, well, you know, foster, foster kids, you know, children in foster care, what does that mean to us? Well, when you look at this, as of, uh, this was as, as of 2010, 11. Uh, you see how many kids in the foster care system, how many will be pregnant by the age of 19, how many will, uh, prison inmates were once uh, in the foster care system, how many are, will be uh, aging out, and many of them will become homeless as they age out, and how many people on death row were in foster care. Now, that's a huge, those are huge numbers. Now, the, the ones on the, uh, that make it, you know, the 50% that... Uh, are not going to be pregnant, the ones who are not prison inmates, the ones who are not incarcerated, praise God. They've been in, in great situations. There are people who've cared, have taken them in. But the ones who aren't going to make it even graduating high school, those are the ones that we are trying to reach. So when that bus pulls up to camp of 40 kids, thinking that statistically uh, 74% of them may end up in jail, I mean, that's not acceptable. We want to break that cycle. We want to break that cycle. So we have um, a couple of things specifically that, that we want to ask. Uh, number one, prayer. We need prayer because, uh, as somebody said yesterday, we're punching the devil in the face. And, but sometimes he punches back. So we really need prayer cover. And, and I mean to pray specifically for everything to match up uh, counselors, or as we call them, big campers with little campers, for, uh, for volunteers, for uh, all of the things to come together because there are a lot of moving parts. So really, and, and I, when I say you ask for prayer, I don't mean just like, you know, yeah, think of us once in a while, but I mean like sign up to be a prayer partner so we can let you know we need prayer for this and we need prayer specifically. And then number two, for volunteers, people who are either willing to put your lives on hold for five days and, and come up and join us uh, or uh, whatever you can do to, to help um, you know, even for half a day. Uh, and there was one other thing you mentioned. 
care packages. Um, another thing that is really helpful is for groups or maybe sometimes in some cases they're like women's groups or a Bible study or a life group that would be willing to do like care packages. Mm -hmm. I mean, these kids oftentimes come up and they come with their stuff in a trash bag. Mm -hmm. They have no underclothes they, or they're ripped or they're, you know, they don't have toothbrushes, sleeping bags, pillows, you know, that kind of stuff that we just take for granted. If somebody told you you were going camping, you know what to pack for, you know. And these kids come with no bathing suits. I mean, they just don't have that stuff. So sometimes what we ask for is for care packages, care packages with a toothbrush and a brush comb, uh, you know, change of clothes or bathing suit, you know, those kinds of things. So those are specific three things that we're asking for because it's some, like John said, it takes a lot of moving parts and we are just starting, this is our first year of doing this nonprofit. Uh, Royal Family does these, these camps in other places. Um, we just didn't want it to stop with the kids. We, some of us, you know, against what we know best, promised these kids three years ago that they'd be able to come to camp again and it broke our hearts when for whatever reason, churches have budgets and have restrictions, and sometimes they can't sponsor every year something, and we wanted to not have that happen ever to these kids. So we took it upon ourselves to pray and ask the Lord to guide us to start this nonprofit so that that way we work alongside many churches so that no church has the burden of carrying us, and we're able to get the support of many different people in, in churches and get this to come together for these kids so that they can have this that they can count on. Yeah. So. Actually, I was going to, I wanted mom to keep the mic for a minute. Since, since she yes. had it. Um, I just wanted to ask, I mean, I know you well, but if you could just share a little bit, just, just very briefly, personally, why, why this? Like why you could take on any thing, right? Like, what 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 has really grabbed your heart? And I know my mom's going to cry. I, I, maybe I shouldn't have asked her to do this, but um, as you can see, this really touches my parents. I'm blessed to have had these parents, um, and yet there's something about um, something about this that really uh, that really speaks to you. So I just... As most of you know, I love kids, um, but I am a fatherless child, and I know what that's like, and. Fortunately, my Heavenly Father reached me and has raised me and nurtured me and given me what my earthly father never did. But when I see in those faces of those kids the emptiness of not having love from a father and even more, sometimes more importantly, the love of a mother, I know what it's like to be loved by my mom. And praise God that I had that. But some of these kids don't have that. And so we get to go up there. The, the, the camp is based on a lot of positions or roles that these kids don't have, like grandparents, aunt and uncle, cousins, you know. So we're trying to give them that sense of family. And to be able to go up there and just love these kids, see their faces change from how they come on Monday, hard and kind of stoic and kind of, just showing their brokenness. A lot of them are heavily medicated because people just medicate them so that they don't give problems. And by Friday, you see them actually smile. I mean, Monday, they're empty. You could see right through them. They just have no expression. And they actually have a sense that somebody cares about them. 
And usually we have a lot of the breakdowns on Thursdays because it's commonly known that Friday they go home and they're going to go back to whatever they go to. And so it is heartbreaking to see these kids. Um, I came home and I hugged and kissed my grandchildren and I helped them try to understand how blessed they are. I mean, I tell them all the time, they have a mommy and a daddy and grandparents that love them and they love Jesus. But I want them to really appreciate and be grateful for what they have, but then to be able to give to these kids that don't have that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Is there one last thing you wanted to add? Yeah, you know, I worked in a, in a home uh, for abused kids. They were from birth to seven years old. Our camp is for kids six to 12, or six to 11, rather. Uh, and, you know, it is heartbreaking for a lot of these kids who don't know. And when you look at, you know, more than 20,000 kids in the foster care system in L.A. County, and, you know, one week of camp, and you think, well, you know, what, what good is that? Well, I have a starfish here, and some of you know the starfish story, where there were, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of starfish stranded on a beach when the tide went out, and one little child was... You know, picking one up and throwing them in, and some adult came along. He said, "What are you doing? I'm rescuing these starfish." Well, you can't possibly rescue all of these. What, what good is it going to do to throw that one in? And the child said, "Well, it's doing some good for this one." You put back in. So, you know, we can we can do what we can, and if we can reach one child, we can reach 30 children, 40. We're we're doing something to to make a difference. To, to change this cycle right here. So you have a table set up outside, and people can get more information, talk to you, ask more questions, and there's, uh, there's more that, uh, that people can follow up on if they're interested, which I'm sure how many will be. So thank you. Let's give it up for my parents. I want to close with, uh, with a couple of stories. Here, this is something that uh, the Nazarene Church is involved in um, internationally. Just want to read, I'm just going to read this to you. It probably says it better than I ever could. The title of this is Middle East Church Shares Its Heart with Refugees. <clears throat> Christians often talk about neighbors in almost the abstract in response to Jesus' command to follow. Uh, to his followers to love their neighbors the same way they love themselves. For a church of the Nazarene in the country of Jordan... Loving their neighbors is not just figurative or symbolic. When the civil war began in Syria in 2011, refugees poured across the border. A refugee camp with nearly 80,000 people was established some miles away from the church that Pastor Baram leads. Those with some money rented homes or rooms in the neighborhood surrounding the church. By now, he says that there are more than 250,000 Syrian refugees living near the church. And so here you see a picture, just an aerial shot of a part of one of those camps where these Syrian refugees are living. The congregation, it says, could not ignore the great needs surrounding them. The church is open, get this, 24 hours a day so that neighborhood women can wash their clothes in the church's laundry room. In the next room, church members play the Jesus film and invite the women to watch while they wait for their clothes to wash and to dry. Volunteers also go out from the church. Pastor Baram said, we started visiting the people. We started getting to know them more and more. We started helping them to fulfill some of their needs. Then the ministry is getting bigger 
and bigger. He says, we are now helping around 1,500, 1,500 families. Families. Multiply that by the number of people, right? We started a school for them. We have 25 kids in the first level, which is KG1, and we have afternoon school from first grade to sixth grade. We have around 120 kids. The church has shown the Jesus film to more than 8,600 people, mostly children, and distributed Bibles and copies of the film. After one such showing, the team asked a man if he would like to pray uh, the prayer of repentance. And he said, of course I want to do this. And he also led his children in the prayer. He said, we want to leave. He said, when we wanted to leave his house, he said, uh, he said, can you write down this prayer? Because I want to keep praying this prayer. They've seen miracles. They've helped people meet basic needs. They've planted churches. Aram says, the needs of the refugees are immense. The church needs additional financial support to effectively assist the refugees and meet their needs. They also want their volunteers there in Jordan to receive training to counsel the people psychologically. Many have experienced emotional and psychological trauma. I share this with you because this is something that we've talked about over the last few weeks, about what are we going to do with refugees coming into the United States where we live. And this is a big point of controversy, but when the need is right there in your face... There's nothing you can do about it. You can't just bury your head in the sand. And I love that we can say this is a sister church in Church of the Nazarene, right there in Jordan, meeting needs. If you'd like to support this, you can um, send a... I don't actually know if that's an email that we have. I just made it up. So if you don't know... um, I know that the, the ending part is probably right, but if you want to, if you want, if that doesn't work, just email me, okay? I think it should be, all right? It should be. Um, we're still getting our email situation figured out, but just email me, or, or I'm going to be posting a link on our Facebook page later on if you have Facebook. Um, if you don't email or do Facebook, just walk up and talk to me. I'll help you get connected with the information, but this is another way that you can connect with something that is happening internationally, right? And I love this. So many stories, right? from walking down the aisles of Superior with your neighbor to helping to meet the needs of people across the globe. God is doing something. I want to share just brief stories. Our East LA group helped to cut the tree of an 80 man in his 80s. The tree was kind of growing dangerously close to his house. And so Rafael Yanez, who, lead, who was leading that group, he took his chainsaw out there and he just gave that tree the business. That was, that's what was left of that tree. I love it. And then Vivian Huerta, who is the one who brought this need to our attention, her husband went out there and a couple of people, they went and tied, bundled all the stuff together and they threw it. Just meeting needs. And this is the final story I want to share with you. Uh, the group up in the uh, north area, Monterey, uh, not Monterey Park, Arcadia, Monrovia, Forty area. My mom, as she said, she loves kids. She is a preschool teacher. And so the kids at her school, they have this garden area where it was just overgrown with weeds. And so we went in there. Uh, Andre right here, he's a beast of gardening and landscaping. In case you didn't know, he's like a superman of landscaping. Uh, Many other things too. But he went in there and we just cleared out. So that's the before and that's the after, right, of of this this garden's bed. And we also, Andre like took out this plant and this bush and he transplanted it and we cleared out some planters. But my mom sends me a text this past week and says, look what is being done with what we did. The kids at her preschool have a place where they can plant and learn about how these things work. I love it. I love it. 
you know, when we go out and we love, we are planting seeds. And you know what? It is not a given that we're going to see, that we may ever see the fruit of those seeds. And I don't necessarily mean just the physical seeds. In a few weeks, you can probably go out to that school and ask for a tour and you can see what's growing. What I mean is the fruit that it grows within people when we love and when we share the good news. Uh, you don't know who might have a chance to know the good news of the love of God just by a simple act that you do. The Apostle Paul writes that some people are responsible for planting the seeds and some people are responsible for watering the seeds of the gospel, but that it is God who causes these things to grow. So whatever is done in love, in genuine, selfless, Christ-like love, it never, hear me, never goes to waste. I can do, as 1 Corinthians 13 says, all kinds of things. Speak in other heavenly language, give all my possessions to feed the poor, even give my body to be burned. But if I have not love when I do these things, then it means nothing. And you may be asking, well, then what is love? Where do I find it? What if I've lost it? What if I never have had it or have never seen it? Well, I want to introduce to you the beginning of our next series, beginning next week, called First Love. God calls us not only to go out to love others, but he calls us to this place of living in his love for ourselves. And we're going to be talking about that for the next few weeks. Just what does it mean to abide in God's love? I encourage you to join us as we continue on this journey toward God's love.